Just my room. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on a Tuesday morning, October 18, 2022. Burr. 24 degrees in the capital city. No more of this kind of dilly-dallying around with about 32 degrees. Uh, Is that a hard freeze? Is that not a freeze? Uh, No doubt about it overnight tonight as we are in the 20s as we wake up this morning and uh, get back into the 40s later today, 60s tomorrow, 70s on Thursday, Friday, and then mid-80s. For the weekend, after we uh, we are flirting with record lows this morning, glad yeah, to have we you broke with us. Well, we have Do we break? Set, Is it set, officially broken? Yep. Sorry, we dropped to twenty three at uh, just before three o'clock. That was the hourly temperature. We'll see here in another hour or two if we went below that. What was the record? Twenty eight. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, we're still. I mean, we're still at twenty three, twenty three, twenty four right now. Depending Grand on Grand Island, Norfolk, Omaha, all broke records all this right. morning. So, depending on which monitor of mine you want to believe, we either twenty four or twenty three right now. Either way, it would be a record breaking, uh, record breaking cold tonight. Uh, before we are getting, I don't know, Sunday might be record breaking warmth. I'm not sure what the record is, but if we're well, not far you. from ninety, it's probably a shot. Record high uh, Sunday the twenty third. 85. Okay, 85 is the forecast high right now. So we may do it. We may we may get in a, a period of less than seven take days. That, take that back. I was looking at Saturday. Okay. Sunday's record is 81. Okay. So another right, record. We're on yep. track yep. to, uh, in less than seven days, break a record low and a record high during the course of the same week, October in Lincoln, Nebraska. Ladies and gentlemen, glad to have you with us on this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, busy day on a Tuesday. Uh, we've got a lot of guests today. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. We will have Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We will have John Baylor, voice of Big Red Volleyball. We'll have Fantasy Huskers keywords for you to win pizza and gear from Valentino's and Alumni Hall at 635 and 810, and then all the regular segments that are going to keep you up to date on what's going on in the city and the state around you with your uh, sound off at 635, morning drive at 735. So that's what we've got on the docket today. I want to start out with this, maybe a loophole, maybe, I don't know if loophole is even the right word, but maybe an opportunity for those who support the fairness ordinance to get it back on the ballot. There has been, I mean, we've gone every which way possible direction with this thing appearing on the ballot, not appearing on the ballot, some on every side who have wanted on the ballot or not wanted it on the ballot. I mean, Mark, it seems like we've done every permutation of every, every opinion and every outcome on this already, but apparently not quite because supporters of the fairness ordinance, the ones that went out and gathered signatures to get the fairness ordinance on the ballot after the city council took it off of the ballot after, you know the history probably by right now. (laughs) Yeah. They went before the city council and they said, hey, uh, you know, we think this got rejected from the ballot incorrectly. We think there was a mistake made 
in rejecting this. We believe it was rejected under state law, but we believe that the city charter should be the one that has the controlling law in terms of what boxes need to be checked, essentially, with the process of going these, um, go, going through these. And evidently, the, 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 because initially on this thing, there, there was a ruling. Uh, Dave Shively, the Lancaster County Election Commissioner, he said that the petitions were invalid because they didn't include a statement indicating whether petition circulators were paid or volunteer as required by state law. The supporters came Monday to the city council and they said, well, it doesn't matter. It's not a state law that governs this. It's the charter that that is what uh, what is controlling here. And that doesn't specify uh, who must verify the signatures. It just says that they must be verified, essentially. And I went and I went and took a look at the actual charter rule on this thing. And they appear to be right. They appear to be right. Essentially, the city charter lays out an affidavit that's got to be signed. In fact, it specifies that it would be signed by someone who is a part of the actual signature gathering process. And instead of having some governmental entity going through and verifying all the signatures, it's essentially an affidavit that one of the gatherers, one of the people behind the organization of the gathering process says, here I am. This is who I am. Uh, I've gone through all of these. I believe them all to be Lincoln voters. I don't believe there to be duplicates. Here are the numbers that we got signed in front of a notary, notary public submitted with the whole thing. So they may, they may have a point under would, the law. How would they verify? They would go. They would essentially go through. I mean, at least this group said they actually went through, got rid of duplicates. They they got rid of duplicates and they went through this in, entire process. So I assume by by hand on this. The, in the article that Margaret Reese wrote about this, wasted away and Margaret Reese Deville, um, she talked about how they claimed that they went, they got a database from the election commissioner's office. They went through all of them. If the address made sense with the name that they had, if it if it appeared to be right, they counted it. They duplicated one. They got rid of ones that weren't on that database, and they got rid of ones that were duplicates. At that point, they counted ninety one hundred. They needed eighty nine hundred, according to the percentage set forth in the city charter. I, I, I mean, I don't I, like. I just on my reading of the charter and what they're saying, it appears they're right. But I also, you know, I also think Dave Shively knows this process pretty well, so I don't. So I don't know, but I think they might have at least a shot at getting this back on the ballot via this petition situation. So they went in front of the council uh, on on this whole thing, and well, the council would have to readopt it, correct? Yeah. Because they re- they rescinded it. So this would be a new. Yes, they res- they rescinded it based on. So they passed it not not via the signatures. They passed it on their own accord. Correct. Then there was the signature gathering thing, the one that was in the churches, yes. right, that the Family Alliance was behind. They got enough signatures to either put it on the ballot or have the council rescind it. The council, pursuant to that, rescinded it. Right. Right? And so that's what that is. This is a new signature drive now. To put it on the ballot. To put it on the yeah. ballot. So bypassing the point. council. 
So yes, yeah, so so going through because that was that was essentially a recall. The first signature drive was essentially a recall of what the the action that the council had taken. As I understand it now, uh, this would put it if if these are deemed done according to city charter, then this would be on on the uh, on the ballot in May probably. And and it, yeah, it's the next. What it can be, yeah, it would probably April would be in the. Primary. It would likely be in the the city. The May. The maybe the general. I don't know if it'd be on the primary, or the general election. I'm not. I actually am not. Not sure about that. So we'll see. So we will see. I mean, and then throw into that whole situation that you've obviously got some people who have a, a put you know in the Nebraska Family Alliance. They've they've opposed this. They they and got some signatures that were opposing it. But then you also have city council members. Including, notably, two city council members uh, who who are homosexual and who said, and they said, "Okay, we want this off the ballot, <laughs> or we want we don't we don't want to go forward with this right now." They got critiqued pretty harshly by the group that came in yesterday. Um, and <laughs> I mean, Mark, this is this uh, like, and, and and that doesn't even. Factor in the fact that this went back to what 2012, the first time that 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 they that they did this, that they got the signatures, and then nothing happened. And this could be an interesting discussion in the mayoral race. Absolutely, Uh, yeah, it it absolutely could. Although, you know, I don't you you know if the uh, the, that's true. I I mean, it's a discussion point. It's it's yeah, you're right. They really don't have. It's definitely a a discussion point, but it's it it's going to be if it gets on the ballot during the same one, the votes are going to decide it on this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, here it is. I've got the affidavit in the city charter right in front of me. Blank name of circulator being first duly sworn deposes and says that he is the circulator of the foregoing petition containing X number of signatures. That this person is a legal and qualified voter of Lincoln, Nebraska, wherein the signatures were obtained, that each person whose name appears on the petition paper personally signed the petition in the presence of a fiant, that the date uh, to the left of each signature is the correct date, and that uh, that he believes that each signature has stated his name and his street and his house number correctly, and they were a legal qualified voter of the city of Lincoln, Nebraska. So... And that the and that the gatherer stated each petitioner before he affixed his signature the legal effect and nature of such position. Well, I would imagine uh, that there so, could be some discussion or challenge if state law is different. Does state law supersede the charter? Right. Is there is there something else that needs to be there? Whether it says whether there is a paid or volunteer. Uh, signature gatherer, which is what the Lancaster County of Commissioners. I know we're really in the weeds here on this thing a little bit, but that's what it's coming down to here at this point, and it's an, an interesting discussion. So, anyway, we've uh, we've got that. And that's not so, the only thing the council took up yesterday. What else? They approved the alcohol sales at PBA for okay. Uh, so now the university said yes. Yep. Now the city has said yes. Nebraska basketball has their first game at Pinnacle Bank Arena, albeit an exhibition game, but a game on Sunday mm-hmm. with Shadron coming in. The Eagles are in town. And it's going to be a booze fest. <laughs> Nothing, I mean, when you, I'm sure when you thought, when you dreamed of what it was going to be like, 
the, uh, just the basically the booze-fueled riot that is going to be happening at Pinnacle Bank Arena. You are imagining a Sunday afternoon exhibition basketball game between Nebraska and Shadron. Yeah, they can and drink out there. Just people drunk out of their minds. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I mean, that is the exact, I mean, the atmosphere, Caleb, is going to be out of control. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the Sunday lineup. Church. Church, right. Sunday dinner. Brunch. Yeah. Get started with communion. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely hammered at PBA for an exhibition. And just the two, what is that, a two o'clock kick, uh, first tip? Yeah, two two o'clock kickoff. Two o'clock kickoff, tip off, whatever. Just, just getting, yeah, Wow. Good luck. Good luck to keeping order in the Haymarket Sunday <laughs> afternoon. 85 degrees, you're going to need a cool cow. one. Holy cow. Just watch out for looting and rioting and everything that goes along with that. Better order some extra Especially, bush light now. Oh, I hope Nebraska wins or it's going to turn into an angry crowd. And who knows what Shatteron's going to bring up. That doesn't even mention that. <laughs> you know what it's like out there in the panhandle. Am I right? I don't know what that means. Those exactly. Dallas County residents can be rowdy. <laughs> They're not sending their best. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I wanted to hit on here, uh, you see how much money the War Horse made yeah. in in its first couple weeks of being open? Well, the taxes were the... the, were the well, yeah, the, the, the taxes, that's true. Well, all we knew were the taxes. We don't quite know what the The no. taxes, the handle it was is. almost a quarter million, right? Yeah, over a quarter million. Yeah. $285,000 in seven days. In seven days, and that goes to a variety of of things. It goes to uh, uh, property tax relief. Uh, that goes to the city of Lincoln, Lancaster County. It's about thirty five thousand bucks to the city. State's general fund gets about seven grand. Uh, the gambling problem gambling fund gets about seven grand. We doing this every week? We bring in, are we bringing in three hundred thousand dollars in taxes every week, or is this the honeymoon period? Yeah, all I can say is, can you imagine what they're going to bring in once they get the full casino going? That's a that's a good point too, right? That's a really good point. You would think it'll be a lot more then with different yeah. types of of gambling that's available, but we're talking. I mean, if you if you do that, probably means they made about a million and a half. We don't have the exact percentages of what they made. That revenue is probably one point five million dollars in uh, in seven days. But like, if you expanded the numbers that they had over the course of a year for seven days, you're talking about three quarters, almost three quarters of a billion dollars mm-hmm. in tax revenues. Uh, or no, in revenue, the re- that would be the revenue about fifteen million dollars in the tax yep. revenue. Sorry, and I, just think I, of the, the number of people that aren't driving to Kansas or Iowa. I still haven't been out there. Still haven't been out there, but tax money's going to be nice. What are we going to? Are we cutting some taxes now? What are we doing? Cutting some taxes? That'll be another discussion for the uh, mayor's race. All right, that's good. That's a good point. That is a good point. All right, so uh, those are the things that are getting my attention today. By the way, LFR had another house fire this morning. Residential. Uh, I they had Twenty Seventh Street just north of South Street. Uh, blocked as they were working that i think it's start uh, it's Ooh. probably opened up now but so that's probably an old house would yes, be my guess block north of south street on south 27th 18 Ugh. 1800 block Oof. so i think they're i think it's uh, started to open up but you may still have some uh, equipment there oh, 
Normally, traffic just flows out like there through a sieve, so I'm sure that's going to be a big change that's for everyone. That's right where 27th. It doesn't at all. 27th goes to two lanes south of South Street. Yeah. So. All right, 626, Caleb uh, or I will see you have sports coming up next. Show this to LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK Today. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, and it is Fling Week Part 2. You get to pick an AP Top 25 team to be your team for the weekend. Specifically, which team scores the most points in their game this week? And so far off the board are Tennessee, who plays, uh, what, Tennessee Martin? UT Martin. And the other one off the board is... Uh, UCLA. UCLA, who plays Oregon. UT Martin might be in the, uh, the Ohio Valley. Okay. I was pretty sure we'd... Back in your SIU Edwardsville days? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if they're not, they used to be. Obviously a great team then, so probably a bad pick with Tennessee. Absolute um, garbage. T- Tennessee by a billion. Uh, all right, but the question is how yeah. uh, how soon does Tennessee yeah. pull off the dogs right. in, in that game? All right, so question for you is what is the keyword that you need to text into 402-479-1400, the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline, a text line, and it is? Ingenious. Oh, my gosh. Ingenious. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss one, I think. <laughs> I N. This is bringing me back to my spelling bee days in like second grade. I assume it's I N G E N I O U S. Ingenious. Ding, ding, ding. Got it. Boom. Still perfect. <laughs> Ingenious is the. Uh, I told you we stepped it up this week. Is the keyword. And uh, you text that in, the Rickstown Recognition text line, you're going to be among the pool of people who will be uh, chosen from to take that third pick and pick a new favorite team for this weekend. And a lot of a lot of good options are available. Just uh, Google that AP 20 to, uh, Top 25 the schedule. Pick one you think is going to score a lot of points. And then get your popcorn ready on Saturday. Uh, buy yourself maybe a new sweatshirt for, uh, you know, TCU or Oklahoma State or uh, whomever it is that you've you've picked, SMU, uh, and uh, and enjoy that. Enjoy that, your new team, for a weekend. All right, sound off time. Caleb, it was debate night last night all over the country. The candidates three weeks and a day away from midterms election took the stage in a whole bunch of states, not Nebraska, but several other states. And uh, uh, kind of on the home stretch, they got after it a little bit last night. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit about kind of the midterm mania that's going on right now. The clock is certainly ticking. By the end of this week, early voting will have officially kicked off in 25 states. 17 states have already officially opened their polls with Iowa, Nevada and Tennessee among those set to join them later this week. Early voting is underway in Georgia, where Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams went head to head in an intense debate last night. The 
incumbent pushing Abrams on her past anti-police rhetoric. Meanwhile, in Ohio, Senate hopeful J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan also facing off there. Vance, the Republican nominee, calling out the current congressman after thousands of steel workers lost their jobs in his district. All right, so three weeks until Election Day. What are those forecasts looking like, and do you even believe them? The battle over which party will control Congress is coming down to the wire in several key battleground states, which played a key role in the 2020 presidential election. With just three weeks to go, the Fox News Power Rankings has the major races in Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania rated as a toss-up, while Republicans have the edge in Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, and Wisconsin, and Democrats in Colorado and New Hampshire. Republicans are still favored to take back the House come November, despite some gains from Democrats in local and national polls. The governor's mansions are also close, as Republicans have a chance to flip several states, including Oregon, where a Republican hasn't been elected since the early 1980s. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. So, you know, there's a a million forecasts and everything out here. I pulled up just, I pulled up 538 because they're one of the, uh, ones that get a lot of uh, attention here. The the way that they see it now, in the Senate, they have uh, out of all the scenario, you know, out of a hundred scenarios, this is how they do it. They have out of a hundred, how many scenarios out of a hundred do to each side win? They say the Democrats take the Senate in sixty four out of a hundred scenarios, and the Republicans take the uh, Senate in thirty six in a hundred. You might be saying, well, what about a tie? Well, those would count for the Democrats taking it because they've got the tie-breaking vote with Kamala Harris and the the vice president. So they actually give about a 65-35 chance of Democrats uh, having the Senate majority uh, like they do right now, which is 50-50 plus one. Uh, And then in the House, it looks a lot better for the Republicans right now. They've got Republicans getting a 72% chance of taking control of the House from the Democrats. Democrats getting a 28% percent chance if you break it down then by all the scenarios that that they've got again if you you believe what what they're saying which i understand if you take it with a a grain of salt but um they've got republicans winning both chambers they've got a 35 percent chance uh democrats winning the senate republicans win the house they've got a 37 percent chance democrats winning both chambers they've got a 28 percent chance and then a weird scenario where republicans would take the senate and democrats take the house they have less than one percent chance on that whole thing so um i I mean if you believe that it is still completely up in the air in a lot of ways and it's it's just going to come down to election and three weeks is an eternity too uh for for these things to change and how many times have we seen polling in either house senate races or obviously a presidential race where it looks like it's a you know the polls that you keep seeing make it looks like a done deal and then election day comes and it's something totally different and so obviously that's something you you have a bit of uh, uh you know you have a you have a bit of take it with a, a grain of salt on um for for nebraska in uh you know in the gubernatorial race they've they've giving uh they're giving um pulling a 90 97 and 100 chance of winning that hmm. if you are if you are wondering uh then in uh let's see this is uh, yeah that's still with the with the governor's races too there so um interesting uh interesting interesting stuff to see here uh with this whole thing but it sounds like it's going to come down and and uh you, you know it's it's interesting because there's just a handful you hear all about the Senate races are the things that are going to swing this thing, right? It's the, 
It's the Georgia Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock one. It's that Ohio one. It's the Pennsylvania one with Fetterman and Oz. Mm -hmm. Um, Nevada, I think, is one that's right on the line as well. And then in the House, there's there's a group of about like oh like twenty or so there that um, that are the ones that are going to determine this. Uh, By the way, if you're wondering what they like, five thirty eight says about about Nebraska. Um, they've got, they're not, too, they're giving Mike Flood uh, 98 and 100 chance of winning, 98% chance. So is that actually a better chance than I said for the governor's race? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, they got Bacon 88% in that one. So if Flood is 98, I'm going back to the governor's race because that's, that is, uh, that hardly makes sense. 97, okay, 97. They get, they're giving Pill and a Flood basically the same chance. I don't know. I mean, I think they probably will both win, but mm-hmm. there's one of them I think is going to be a lot closer than the other. On them. <laughs> I wonder which one. Yeah. Uh, student loan application. If you're uh, looking for uh, getting some of your student loan forgiven and you qualify under all the uh, uh, the the prongs of the Biden-Harris plan, uh, that application is now out on a beta version of it, and uh, it doesn't take long to uh, long to fill out, so there's a lot of people starting to do that. StudentAid.gov has launched for Americans to officially apply for student debt forgiveness of up to $20,000 for some borrowers. But I want to be clear who's going to benefit the most. Working people, the middle class. President Biden's program allows borrowers making up to $125,000 a year or household incomes under $250,000 to apply for $10,000 in debt cancellation. Pell Grant recipients are eligible for $20,000 in cancellation. Several legal challenges are still mounting, however, including from six Republican-led states who argue President Biden overstepped his authority to cancel loans. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. Now, there was a, um, there was a filing in that case yesterday where um, the the states that are challenged it they pulled back a um, a motion basically because the the court said we're going to make a ruling here on this in an expedited manner so it will be in time for this to be still stopped if it is for the injunction essentially to go in effect right. so it was it was just kind of a, a, a technical motion there but. The the thought is, is both sides are confident that this ruling is going to be made fast enough for it to go in effect or not go in effect before the money's already being doled out mm-hmm. to these to these borrowers. I uh, filled it out this morning. Yeah, it took like two three like minutes, two minutes, right? Yeah. I thought Caleb, you're supposed to you're supposed to just as your patriotic duty, you're supposed to just uh, eschew uh, that uh, that uh, forgiveness. That's a HIPAA just violation. You're, just, you're supposed to just HIPAA. Uh, all right, what else do we have going on? Uh, this is terrifying. Uh, so you know, there's the 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 debate always about what started COVID. Did it happen in you know the wet market or was it actually created in in a lab? In a lab. Yeah. Well, now there. This seems like a. I don't. This seems like the beginning of a terrible movie, a terrible like contagion type movie. But in the United States now, they're they're just seeing if they can create worse variations of the COVID virus in labs here now. Why? And they're succeeding. Why? 
Researchers at Boston University are the subject of controversy after creating a lab-made hybrid SARS-CoV-2 virus, which they say had an 80% kill rate. They say they added a spike protein from the Omicron variant with the original Wuhan strain to do it. And in testing, it killed 80% of the mice infected with it. And when the mice were only exposed to Omicron, they experienced only minor symptoms. Fox News reached out to the university but did not receive any comment. An early theory of the origins of COVID-19 said it came from a wet market in Wuhan, but some suspect the virus was engineered at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Sue Guzman, Fox News. Can you stop that, please? Uh, I'm sure there's some perceived value. I don't know if it's in terms of building vaccines or understanding it better or something. But all I'm thinking of, Caleb, and I don't know that this is how it works, but all I'm thinking of is some kind of a somebody's uh, somebody's working on this and they reach down for their coffee. They knock the Petri dish off the table. It's on the floor. It gets on the shoe. They go out to lunch Mm -hmm. and boom. We got a whole new pandemic. I'm thinking there is a uh, there's a grad student or a scientist somewhere that heard, oh, only an eighty percent kill rate. I bet I can combine some other things. Jeez, what are you doing? What are you tempting fate? Stop it, Boston. That's how we get an Jeez. I am legend situation. Uh if you are someone who straightens your hair, primarily women, probably who are doing this. Uh, evidently, there's a the, a health risk that you should be aware of. I had no idea that this connection existed, but they're uh, talking about a cancer risk that goes along with some hair straightening products. The National Institutes of Health said they followed about 33,000 women for 11 years and found those who used hair straightening products were more than twice as likely to develop uterine cancer compared to those who didn't. Uterine cancer is the most common cancer of the female reproductive system. The researchers didn't find any links between higher uterine cancer risks and the use of hair dyes or bleach. Jill NATO, Fox News. Okay. Not something you would probably be thinking of. Right. When you were just going through and straightening your hair, but nonetheless, uh, apparently something you've got to think about now. Uh, boy, I'm, I'm just full of cheery news here today. And I got another one. Here's a, uh, got another price going up of something that hasn't gone up in a long time, Caleb. And this time, it's a if you're a, a member of the warehouse store called Sam's. For the first time in nearly a decade, Walmart-owned Sam's Club is hiking its membership fees to 50 bucks annually from 45 At the same time, its Plus memberships will increase to $110 from 100 for its first increase since 1999 when they were first introduced. The cost increases come after the Warehouse Club said it invested in technology to improve the shopping experience. Sam's Club has revamped all 600 clubs, added a new rewards program called Sam's Cash, and is featuring new brands. Its CEO said the company does recognize the financial pressure shoppers are currently facing and will give customers who renew their membership a credit equal to the increase for this year only. Hillary Barsky, hmm. Fox News. I will say this. Sam's is, uh, Sam's is beaten Costco because they have the scan and go process right now. We don't actually have to get in line. You, oh, you can just use scan the app it and, it just and goes scan it. Card. And then you just, have, you just put it on your card and you still have to walk out. That uh, that Costco in Lincoln, they added self checkout, and that thing is. Uh, I I was in there on Saturday. 
that they almost had a line, and I'm, I'm barely exaggerating here, a line that went all the way three quarters of the way back to the store, back to the freezer mm. section for uh, for people waiting. I don't know if there's more people going there. I don't know if the the, the self checkout lanes actually made the lines worse or or what's happening exactly, but it's it's crazy right now. Um, all right, price. Oh, speaking of prices going up, uh, GM. Caleb has created its most expensive car in its history that is now available for purchase. Very exciting. So if you are independently wealthy, you want to spend a ton on a car that is basically (laughs) custom made for you. It's available from GM. The price tag for the Cadillac Celestic electric ultra luxury car starts at more than $300,000. That's more than twice the cost of the current top model, the Cadillac Escalade V SUV. One reason for the Celestic's hefty price is the full-size four-door sedan will be hand-built to exact specifications of each customer, so no two will be alike. And with all that personalization, Cadillac only expects to complete about two per day. Carmen Roberts, Fox News. I mean, it lo- I don't know that it looks cool. It looks very futuristic. But man, if I'm dropping three hundred grand on a car, I better have a Lamborghini, right? <laughs> I better have one of those things where the doors are are going up. I better have a Ferrari or something like this. Not a not a a big futuristic Cadillac looking sedan, right? Like, what is that thing? What's doing the heavy lifting on that price exactly? Three hundred thousand. I really am curious what it is. Man, I can and get, it's electric. And it's electric. I can get some pretty sweet cars for better <laughs> for better than three hundred. Did you pull it up? Are you looking at it right now? I was just looking up a bunch of other cars. Look, yeah, look uh, here. Come, come look at my my screen. I've got it. I've, it's, by the way, it's if you want to look it up, it's Celestic. C e l e s t i q. Isn't that trendy? That's what it looks like. It's it almost looks like a dorky hatchback. Here's the thing. It's okay. Like I'm not looking at it saying, "Ooh." Got to go get that. I just, I just want to know again what's doing that. What's doing the heavy lifting on the price there? The interior's cool. Again, very futuristic looking. The technology, I guess. It better be it? some good technology. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Better have heated seats. Actually, I don't like heated seats. Uh, better have cooled seats. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. And then, uh, last but not least. All you BTS fans, this is the uh, K-pop group. One of the most we just popular, talked about them yesterday. Yeah, popular bands in the world. It's uh, it's actually happening. They're all going to the military and taking a break for a couple of years. Members of the K-pop group BTS will serve in South Korea's military as required under South Korean law. The band's management company shutting down a public debate over whether the hitmakers would receive an exemption because of their artistic accomplishments. Big Hit Music issuing a statement on Twitter explaining that the company and the band are, quote, looking forward to reconvening as a group again around 2025 following their service commitment. Big Hit Music revealing the band's oldest member, Jin, will revoke his request to delay conscription by the end of the month before taking the necessary next steps. Lauren Faulkner, Fox News. Well, that, so will they still? When they come back in three years, will they still be a? Will they still be able to jump back onto the scene? I think they will because here's the thing: you don't have to wait a decade 
or 15 years would be like, man, when are they, are they going to get the band back together? Right. Are they coming back? Yeah. They're, they're doing Apparently this. It's, short, it's a short enough required time that they can still come back. Yeah. And they're going to like, they're already going to be planning on it. Right. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, um, yeah. They, 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 their, their tour when they come back will be just as insane as anything they've done so far. All right, so uh, 2025. Is that the year we get the next Stranger Things episode, too? Or is that 2024? Yeah, probably like I don't know. We're already getting a bunch of stuff point. to look forward to in the mid-2020s. <laughs> uh, all right, it's eight, uh, 656, 856 for our listeners in the Atlantic Ocean right now. We're in parts of Canada. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, you're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, coming up during the 7 o'clock hour, Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, joins us three weeks out. From today is primary day, so we'll get the latest news and notes on Nebraska news and politics. Uh, we're going to count down the five things you're going to be talking about today with your morning drive. A little bit later in the show today, Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Commerce and John Baylor, the voice of Big Red Volleyball and unbeaten in the Big Ten Volleyball before they go and take on Purdue in a big match tomorrow night try and stay atop of the uh of the big 10 standings unbeaten uh 22 degrees in the capital city it's a cold one out there record cold seven o'clock kli and lincoln time saver traffic live from the momo pizzeria and ristorante studios at 44th and O. morning radio for the entire capital city this is lnk today with jack and friends on the voice of lincoln 1499.3 klin all right record low temperatures on your tuesday morning in the capital city 22 degrees right now i'm seeing video Caleb of snow in some parts of the uh, the Great Lakes area. Indianapolis saw some snow. Some areas of Michigan saw some some snow here this morning. None none here, but it's cold enough for it to have uh, to have happened right now. But it shouldn't be here because it's going to be almost ninety on Sunday. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's, I mean, you got your forties today. You got your sixties Wednesday or seventies uh, Thursday and Fridays, and then your uh, mid to upper eighties Saturday and Sunday. We are going to likely have a week where we will hit a record low and a record high uh, within a period of five days. Here in the capital city, so that's uh, that's always impressive. Uh, Joe Jordan joins us, News Channel Nebraska, right now. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jack. Good, uh, good to have you with us, Joe. Uh, all right, uh, so let's get in before before we get into some election stuff. I'm I'm still kind of uh, fascinated with all the, the uh, machinations going on in the background of a vacant Senate seat likely in the state of Nebraska. We can get to the stuff specifically about Ben Sass, but one of the things that caught my attention this week is that you've had a, a couple of uh, sitting GOP leaders in the Senate in the U.S. Senate who have um, not made any secret of the idea of the thought that that they would like to see Pete Ricketts uh, getting that spot in the Senate should be should it be vacated by uh, by Ben Sass. I, I'm just curious what uh, you know with kind of your experience in in Washington and and covering politics. What do you make of the fact that you've got a couple of these guys who are who are almost uh, who, are, who are almost uh, putting their hand on the scale a little bit, pulling for uh, pulling for Governor Ricketts to 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 get this spot. Why do you think they're they're doing it, and how do you think that impacts what happens going forward? Follow the money. They love the fact that Pete Ricketts is wealthy and can write a lot of checks for a lot of different Republican candidates down the road, 
and bring a lot of money, uh, fundraising and what have you, to the to the party. Uh, they don't they don't have to worry about him funding his own. Uh, they don't have to worry about him asking them for money to fund a campaign down the road. He can take care of that himself. Mm. Uh, it's that's the financial side. And then the other side is they know they they know who he is. They know what he thinks. Uh, and and in the, on the on the substantive side of policy and politics, they they see a person that they already agree with. And then, but the but the the ultimate factor that pushes everything to where the point where they want to talk about him and get him in the Senate is is the checkbook. They so, know that he he brings that that big checkbook with him. So he's going he's going to cost less uh, for the for the party. He you, you just you won't need it if he does continue to run. And then he also will probably be able to be a more prominent sort of um, um, you know benefactor of, of oh, yeah. GOP candidates if he's yeah. in the Senate, right? And we've already seen that in, where he's got involved in some other races around the country. Uh, writing, he's done that, you know, as a governor. He will certainly do that as, he, as a, an incumbent United States senator in the Republican Party. There's no doubt in my mind about that. So for me, now with that added on to the, what the scenario already is, including the timing for when Ben Sass would likely get this job at Florida. I mean, it's looking right. Am I? I'm not wrong on this. That it's looking like almost a sure thing that he's going to end up being this this person who ends up taking this seat. Right? Is that is that your thinking on this too? The only thing that gets in the way is if, for some reason, and I have no idea what that reason would be, he decides at the last minute he doesn't want to do it right now. That's if he wants it, it's his. There's no there's no question in my mind. If if Pete Ricketts wants to be the next U.S. senator. It's his for the taking because, you know, the appointment would be made by by Jim Pillen, who presumably will be the next governor. I mean, the only possible fly in the ointment would be if if Ben Sass were to leave the Senate prior to that 45 day appointment time process uh, and and force Ricketts to have to, in effect, appoint himself. But my guess is they've already got this timetable figured out. Yeah. And that and that Sass doesn't announce his, his doesn't actually formalizes resignation until they're within that window uh following the november 8th election pillen gets elected uh at some point thereafter uh, sass leaves and then pillen can make the appointment after uh he's sworn in as governor and he names pete ricketts i, yeah. I can't imagine it's any other scenario and, and i did the math on that if you wanted to do it at a time that allowed the 45 days to stretch into a potential uh pillen governorship you you would need to do it after like november 19th so you'd have to basically kill out a month on this thing and given that he still hasn't been formally given the job and um right you know and and, and they're gonna have to have more formalities that go through with that that doesn't seem like that would be difficult to do and i, I mean and then i guess the question is just from a I don't know how much do you think the the atmosphere around Sass's visit to Florida, the protests, and, uh, and and kind of everything that went went along with that. I mean, does that give you any reservation that this that that this isn't a sure thing that uh, that he's going to get this job at Florida? A little, very little, but not not much. Uh, I've got to believe that 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 they almost expected there to be some protest about Ben Sass coming to the University of Florida. Uh, and, and, but overall, they believe that, uh, he, that the pluses, in their view, far outweigh the minuses of having 
any number of students, a couple hundred, whatever, even if it was a few thousand, because I think it's, isn't it, isn't it a 50,000? Yeah, it's university? big. I think bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the percentage wise, uh, it'd be, you know, it may look big in terms of a, a group of people, but in terms of the percentage of students that are affected, it would be a smaller number. And like I said, I got to believe the university knew there were going to be some protests when you bring in, bring in a state, which if they'd brought in a liberal state senator. Uh, the, the conservatives on campus, I presume, would have you know been unhappy with that. So you're, if you're when you're bringing in a politician who's got a record of certain things, somebody's going to not be happy with it, and they're going you're going to hear about it. My guess is they they knew that was going to happen, uh, and they were willing to live with the with the protests, and still Ben Sass is their guy. Yeah. that's my guess. Yeah. Um. And, and then you had the uh, the Omaha World Herald. Who who came out and uh, we're already kind of talking, I guess, about Sass's legacy. If the assumption is that he uh, he is going to leave and take this job in Florida eventually, uh, but the uh, the latest editorial, the the newspaper said, hey, he didn't get much done there, didn't didn't do much there, and uh, there should be an explanation here for uh, two Nebraskans about about leaving. Uh, I, what did you make of uh, World Herald coming out with kind of a scathing piece here on Ben Sass? Well, I, I was surprised. First of all, I wasn't surprised that when they said in their editorial that they believe that Ben Sass uh, owes Nebraskans an explanation for why he's leaving the Senate. Uh, that seems a rather typical uh, newspaper's statement to come out when their editorial board say, hey, we want more information, not just the fact that you're going off to the University of Florida. I was surprised when they delved into what they said was his uh, making little headway in Washington while he was there. And then they actually did something that none of his opponents uh, who ran against him before, even though it was a it was Democratic Party had a mess going, but you never really heard this. But the, the Royal Herald noted that when, when Sass ran the first time in 2014, if you'll recall, he made it very clear that he have, he was this expert in, in health care, took, the, took uh, the Obamacare binder to places around the state uh, that the, you know, several thousand pages and said how he'd read every word of it and he knew how to get into it and, and he knew how to repeal it and replace Obamacare. And, and the paper said that never happened, which yeah. I thought was really fascinating because none, I don't remember any of his opponents ever saying, you know, you, you promised you were going to get rid of Obamacare and you never did it. Uh, the World Herald and their parting shot to Ben Sass reminded everybody that he said that. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess I haven't really given it the thought, you know, kind of looking back uh on on his career i mean like when you when you talk about when you kind of reflect on him the first things that you go to is that he had a a conservative voting record but was um you know was was one of the republicans who did occasionally speak out against trump and probably most notably voted to convict for for impeachment uh, it, it'll be interesting to see joe when people go through uh, what are the what were the biggest accomplishments, right? What what exactly was his sort of signature signature piece of legislation or accomplishment? And and I'm not sure what that is uh, right. right now. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I I I don't know yet what it is. Yeah, I think that, I think that line that he gave, oh, I think it was a month after the January sixth uh, riot slash insurrection at the Capitol, the, when he said that politics isn't about the weird worship of one dude. I think that quote's going to follow him for a long time uh, from both sides of the aisle. You know, the, the, the Republicans can't stand it, he said it, and the Democrats wish he would have <laughs> said it more than once. Uh, I think that line kind of stands out. 
you know, but in looking back, one thing that I think kind of got lost uh, oftentimes is that he gave up the seat on the Ag Committee, the Senate Ag That's Committee. Right. The senator from Nebraska that. gave up the seat on the Ag Committee because he wanted to be on judiciary, because he wanted to be involved in the Senate appointments. And some some argue that he wanted he wanted that because he could be on national television when all those things are being debated and, and they're choosing different justices for the Supreme Court, which I think is probably not unlikely scenario. But to have a senator from Nebraska leave the the ag uh, agriculture uh, committee w- was like unheard of at the time. Then Senator Fisher then got got back on it for, for her role. But I remember I remember when that happened that, that some of the editorials around the state were not happy with him for making that decision at the time. Yeah, I, like I, I mean, this is this I, I freely admit that this isn't a fair way to evaluate a, a legacy or anything like that. But like the first things that do still come to my mind is is kind of the the, the hearings where he was talking to Supreme Court justice and and asking them questions and some of the you know the statements and the way he kind of got more folksy with his the the statements that he would would make sort of throughout this more so than really any being right front middle of any legislation i'm not saying he wasn't but it's it's pretty clear that's what he kind of is i think that that was his most notable legacy for a lot of people i think that's probably yeah. true yeah um yeah so uh, we will uh we'll see what happens and uh <laughs> what that reception in gatorville is uh going to be for him next time that he goes down there once again hey i, I just wonder that you know we were we were just looking at some of the the, the like 538 forecast for the Senate and the House and and they they really have the only Nebraska the Nebraska only Nebraska election coming up here in three weeks that is at all in doubt listed as the uh, the Vargas Bacon race right now. Um, you're covering that one fairly closely. Um, maybe some of our listeners are are kind of following it more from the outside, but it could be a very significant one in terms of uh, where the House ends up landing what, what are we uh what are you seeing in that race what's sort of the feel uh about uh about what the likely outcome in and where's the momentum right now they've had two debates in the last week uh both televised one on channel six one on channel seven they're they've got no more debates so that's that's done between now and november 8th it's basically uh the, the tv commercial push uh, both sides will, will, I presume, present some new commercials between now and then. Uh, but I think for the most part, the, the, the attack uh, on, on Vargas is that he's uh, anti-police, uh, pro-criminal, and he's, uh, they call him Taxman Tony in the, in the negative ads. The, uh, the hits that are coming against Bacon are that uh, it's, it's the Democrats pushing the abortion issue, that, that Bacon basically wants to uh, have a nationwide ban on abortion if, if he were to have his way, uh, and, and that he's not the right guy for, for Nebraska because of that. The, 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 those are the themes on TV. Uh, it was curious, and I, I wondered how long this was going to take. I was actually getting ready to do a story about the fact that one of the, ad, one of the ads attacking Vargas uh, talks about how in the, in the uh, state legislature, he, wanted to, he tried to double his own salary, and, and it's true. He, he put forth a, a, a bill that would eventually would have had to go on to the voters as a constitutional amendment because this Nebraska senator's salary is in the, is in the state constitution. Right. He wanted to basically double it from – now, what the ad doesn't tell you is that right now they make $12,000 a year, and it would have gone to just above 24000 That yeah. was the doubling. But during their last debate, 
And I wondered how I was getting ready to actually do a piece on this because I thought, but people don't realize when you're saying doubling, it sounds like, oh, he's going from, you know, 100000 to $200,000 a year. People don't know. Uh, and so I was going to do a piece on it. And during the, the last debate, out of the blue, Vargas said, hey, I make $12,000 a year. Uh, you, meaning Bacon, have, have in, in his six years in the, in, the, in the House of Representatives, has made more than a million dollars. So don't basically don't come after me for trying to raise a, the pay of Nebraska state senators. He didn't say that, that part, but that's basically what he was getting at. So he finally defended it, and Bacon really had no response. Bacon's response to when, when Vargas said that was, well, you missed all these votes in the legislature. You weren't there 20% of the time. You, you passed on a lot of votes. And then Vargas never really responded to that. So you had these two issues that kind of went un, unresolved from the other side. Neither knew how to respond when they were attacked. Vargas being attacked for missing votes and mm-hmm. Bacon being attacked for making far more money than, than Vargas has uh, from the taxpayers in the, in the past several years. But it, that, was a, that was the only new element in their debate. They talked about abortion as they have before. They talked about health care. Cyber attacks came up. They, I, surprisingly to me, everybody's against cyber attacks. I didn't realize that was, that was a thing. But, well, where, uh, where are the pro-cyber attack <laughs> candidates at in, in the district? Wow. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's too bad. I know. It's too bad uh, that all views aren't covered I was, with the. Uh... I was almost surprised the question was asked, to be honest with you, because I mean, really, I mean, we, you know, after apple pie and baseball, I think we're all against cyber attacks, right? I agree. So yeah, uh, so it's it's kind of so right now it's the last couple of weeks, I guess three weeks from today, right? Yeah, uh, and it's going to be. Last minute, I don't. I don't anticipate any October surprises coming. Uh, Bacon actually kind of tipped one off when he announced that that uh, State Senator Luann Linehan, who runs the Revenue Committee for the Legislature, she's apparently not apparently. She, I just texted, spoke to her yesterday. She's going to do some type of a news conference in the next week or so, maybe ten days. I don't know for Bacon against Vargas, noting that Vargas has got. He keeps talking about how he he was he voted for the greatest tax, one of the largest tax cuts in state history, blah blah blah. And Bacon has made the case, and, and Linehan is going to emphasize and second it that Vargas actually voted against it and and pushed a filibuster on it until he until he realized he's got more than enough votes, so I might as well go ahead and vote for it because it's going to pass anyways, and then eliminate some of the political discussion that he voted against the tax cut. So. So Bacon basically announced that Linehan's going to do that. So if, there were, if that was going to be the October surprise, he kind of took the surprise away from it. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's going to come. But right now, I've talked to plenty of people on both sides of this, and they all basically say, it really, this is one of those races that really comes down to turnout at the last minute. Yeah. Who can get their voters? We always hear that, right? But this race has been like this. This district has been like this for years now. It really de- depends on who gets their people to the polls, Who's more excited? Who wants to make the push at the last minute? And 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 both candidates will go right up to the last you know moment campaigning this thing. And ultimately, really, nobody really knows how it's going to end. The, the slight favorite right now is probably Don Bacon because he's the incumbent. But could Vargas win? Yes. Could yeah. Bacon win? Yes. Nobody, it, it, nobody really knows. That's sort of like how that district always is with these house raises. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you uh, two weeks from Election Day next week. All right? <laughs> Have a good one, Jack. There you go, Joe Jordan. News Channel, Nebraska, 728 KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. All right, let's get things started on the morning drive with number five.
Supporters of expanding protections under city code to include sexual orientation and gender identity have uh, gone before the council once again on the fairness ordinance. And uh, Lincoln Journal stars Margaret Reist has a great article on it. Very lengthy. Very detailed. So here's essentially the gist of the whole thing. And this is a long, sordid story of petitions and city council actions and it never actually getting to the ballot on a petition, although there have been a couple of times where it almost did. So where where we last left this story <laughs> was that uh, the city council passed the ordinance. There was a signature gathering process to put it to a vote. That got enough signatures. City council then said on a divided vote, okay, we're going to rescind this. We're not going to go forward with this right now. Then a group who supported the ordinance went out and got signatures, and they presented it to the city saying, we still do want it on the ballot, and we've got the signatures to show it. There was then a ruling by the Lancaster County Election Commissioner saying, well, you didn't uh, dot all your I's and cross your T's according to state law on this thing. And so it didn't go to a vote. But now... Those signature gatherers have gone back in front of the city council and said, hold your horses here. We think we have done what we need to do according to the city charter, which is the law that is in place right now. I went up, I, I went and looked at the city charter uh, just to because I hadn't delved into this a little bit. Now, it is it is true that in the city charter, it puts forth an affidavit basically that is swearing that all of the signatures gathered are those of Lincoln residents uh, that there aren't duplicates that they're all that all is said and done but that is to be done not by uh, according to the city charter that's not necessarily doesn't need to be done by some kind of a neutral authority that can be done by someone who is a part of the signature gathering group of the effort to do that which is what the the people going in front of the council yesterday were saying. But in looking into this even more, I believe one of the rulings by the election commissioner, uh, if I recall, was that the thing that was lacking in the application the first time around was that there was not any delineation about whether or not that uh, whether or not the petition circulators were paid or volunteer. And that was required by state law. Now, as I understand it, the petition gathers are saying, oh, hold up. The state law isn't controlling here. The city charter is controlling here, as is required. Uh, wow. And that little, this little charter thing I'm reading apparently makes a noise when you turn the pages on it. That was. <laughs> I, I looked around. I said, that's nobody what that has was. paper in front no, of No, that's what it is. I'm on a website. What is where, this, 2004? Where it actually, it actually does this whole thing. Now, I, I do see this, though, and this is in the, the city charter, okay? Prior to affixing a, any signature to the petition, a copy of the petition to be used shall be filed with the city clerk, clerk together with a sworn statement containing the name or names of every person, corporation, or association sponsoring the petition or contributing or pledging contribution of money or other things of value for the purposes of defraying the cost of preparation, printing, or circulation thereof. So it does look to me like the city charter still requires you to have that statement, which I believe was the basis of what the election commissioner said no on. So 
yet the argument that was made by the by the petitioners was essentially that well we didn't have to have a third party sign the affidavit I think the election commissioner was just saying that that statement that initial statement on whether these are paid circulators or not was not properly affixed to the initial application and that was the flaw in this whole thing so we will see if this ends up being reconsidered um and if that's the if if that is simply the error if that's the error is that you just didn't clarify that when you could have here we have a yet another petition drive guys whether it's at the local or the state level that ends up you end up going through all the work doing all this stuff getting what could have been the requisite amount of signatures but you just didn't follow the procedure to a T and that's going to get this thing potentially disqualified it already has but that might be affirmed here after all of this it could, it, could be and meanwhile meanwhile the petitioners the, the current petitioners are frustrated with city council oh, for yeah. not putting the original one to a vote because they agreed in odd bedfellows news they agreed with the Nebraska Family Alliance that this should go to the ballot. They wanted it on the ballot. City Council had enough people, at least in their ears, that were saying, hey, we actually don't want this on the ballot, even though we support it. They made the decision that way. And so this saga that has gone over uh, for on for over 10 years now, Mark, is still unsettled. And still, despite having being almost there for a vote of the people like four times it still hasn't is hasn't gone to one and it doesn't look like it it doesn't look like it will even after this we'll see it could but unless they have another petition drive. or there could be another petition drive or maybe the city council will think they're making a good argument here but my gut reaction is that if that was what was missing that's not about a state law uh, that's not about a state law versus local law type thing. That's just, it's simply there. Section 24 of the city charter. Um, so uh, in article, uh, let's see, article four. Well, if you want to look one it up yourself. For sure, it's going to continue one form or right, another. Right, so now do they go, now do they go and they do another? I mean, it's not almost like that medical marijuana thing. It's like, are we going for a third bite at this? We're going to go through this process well, now again. They, now they got to see what the city does. Yeah, what they ought to do is uh, team up with the family alliance. And since they both won it on the ballot or have won it at the ballot at one point, maybe they team up with the family alliance or they contract out with them to go get signatures on this whole thing. Now that would be a weird story. That would be um, highly unlikely. Uh, I think it is, but... I mean, at least one time they both wanted the same thing, which was to for opposite get it on the uh, on the ballot. Um, and I think, and that's an interesting thing is like, how is this group very confident that it will pass if it gets on the ballot? I think the Family Alliance is pretty confident it wouldn't pass. And to be honest, I think the city the city council members who supported this, and I think to some degree the mayor, I think had were at least had some real trepidation that this thing wasn't going to pass. Which is why they weren't pushing super hard for it to get on the ballot, rather than just going through the city council, which it did initially. So that's a lot of. I don't know if that's too much technical stuff for for you all, but I that's. Uh, I would actually like more of that. Please. I don't have any more. Okay. Number four. Council also uh, approved the resolution to allow sale of beer, wine, and liquor during uh, University of Nebraska basketball games. PBA. 
So uh, everybody was there, voted yes for it. Uh, they're trying to get it moving uh, more quickly. I, I assume this means they're, they've got a game there on Sunday. Um, so uh, we'll see if they're able to get this going uh, to, to, to get it going for the Sunday exhibition game versus Shadron. Uh, exhibition, I mean, this is the kind of booze-fueled, crazed event that uh, everybody was thinking of here. A lazy Sunday afternoon with Shadron in Nebraska on the basketball court. <laughs> Intrastate rivalry. Get ready for uh, get ready for a wild atmosphere in downtown Lincoln on Sunday. I'm wondering if it's going to be in use on Sunday, even though it's an exhibition game, or if they're waiting until they get to November when you get to regular season. Well, it just, uh, according according to the uh, the the article on this by Margaret Reese, we said away again at Margaret Reese Deville, and maybe at PBA. Um, <laughs> According to that, it sounds like it's unsure if they're they've done it if they can get ready. Although I don't know what would, I don't know what sort of logistical things they need to do to make this happen. I mean, they got the taps there. You leave the taps on. They're they're, they're set to do it. So it could be, it could be that we are this week going to have booze at PBA for a very. Lazy Sunday afternoon basketball. Is game. it maybe that they they don't have the inventory for it? If you Could haven't be. been planning on it, you don't have the resources in stock. Oh, my guess is they can get the resources. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. And besides, when you see the amount of revenue that's coming in from some of these uh, uh, sin taxes, as some people like to call them, uh, which we'll get to in right. just a moment. Uh, you know, it's more money for it, the university, more money now, for the city. I prefer to call them vices. On, That's fine. On another question, too, though, I've heard some restaurant owners say, "Hey, so if there's a, a, if there's more income coming in now because of this, should the uh, should the turnback tax that that restaurants have to pay should that be adjusted because you've got more income right now? You, you still check your restaurant bill. You've got that." That that occupation tax uh, on on arena, there as arena well. Tax yeah, the, the arena tax. Will that get revisited? Will this be enough of an impact on some of those revenues that that would be something that's revisited? I know there's some restaurant owners that would like to see that. Number three, Tom Sage, director of the Nebraska Racing and Gaming Commission, said the Warhorse Casino in Lincoln, in its first seven days of operation, generated tax revenue of. $285,963. Jeez. One week, a quarter of a million bucks? Holy cow. You extrapolate that over a whole year, we're talking $10, $15 million in all of the various coffers. Part of it is is property tax relief. Part of it goes to the localities. Part of it goes to uh, the general fund for the state. Part of it goes to uh, gamblers' assistance uh, fund, essentially, for people with problem gambling. All of those things that are uh, in there. All I know is if they're making a quarter of a million bucks in tax revenue in the first week, I hope that this uh, whatever this property tax relief is, I get it. I get it. This issue has largely been driven by by some of the rural areas of the state. Let's see that in Lincoln for residential homeowners, too, by the way. Because so far, it's us who's doing this, okay? What's it like to own a home, guys? But this is all... It'll be better soon. It's all related, <laughs> it's all related to the education funding property tax issue. 
Right. I, well, I know, but man, they're putting they're putting uh, what is this? Seventy percent goes into a state property tax relief fund. Sure, seventy percent of this. So of that, of just that week, that's two hundred thousand. Yeah, that, that's going in there. All I'm saying is, all, all I'm saying is that. You know, the, the, they're going to be, and I understand there's going to be casinos in other places, but the property tax fund is focused so much on on these rural areas, on farmland, on those sorts of things, and that that's a legitimate discussion. But sometimes the property taxes that go along with residential homes, I feel like, aren't as aren't as significant of a driver in that conversation. I'm just saying, I hope I hope that residential homeowners can also feel this. Two, you know, two hundred thousand bucks they're making a week in property tax. Revenue. What is, what do you guys think the numbers are going to look like when you actually do have the full facility open, and you've got a sports book, and and, and four more in the state? Well, right, because right now, if you want to do it in the state, pretty much you got to come here. Right, but, as a right, but in two years, I mean. I'm By ta- Thanksgiving, you're going to have one open in uh, Omaha, I think. I know, and that's looking or at it. What, 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 what you'll have statewide. I'm just talking here locally. What, yeah. what, what you'll get out of I the assume, war horse. I assume with more slots, with sports gambling. I mean, I don't know. Table, double, triple t- that. You'll have table games as well. Will you? Du- will you double that? I have no idea. I don't know enough about their books to figure out that. But it. I now this is also the first week, so it's a bit of a honeymoon period. I would assume. They expect it to go down after that. But I, uh, which will offset which? It's a good question, Caleb. Which will offset w- the fact that they're in a more normal week combined with a whole lot more, you know, a whole lot more options. Yeah. I think it's uh, probably the biggest driver of that, frankly, is when the sports gambling part of it opens yeah, up. Yeah, for would sure. Be, would be my guess. Uh, moving on. Number two. Broke the record low. Uh, it had been set in 1992 with 28. Dropped to 21. Uh, between three and six this week. Well, we're 22 right now, so yep. still right there. They beat it. Wow. They beat it pretty good there, didn't Seven they? Seven degrees. Yeah. Norfolk was in the teens. Omaha was in the teens. And by the way, if you like record highs better, we may be hitting one on uh, Sunday. Because uh, forecast high is 86. And what did you say the record high for Actually, Sunday Actually, Sat- Saturday is the one we're going to definitely break. The 81 is the uh, record, I believe. On Saturday? On, on Saturday. I have 83 right now yeah. is what I have. So, yeah. so could be uh, record lows and record highs within a five, six-day period. That's right. Number one. And it looks as though researchers in the U.S. have been uh, doing a little COVID-19 research. But now they've got one. Uh, they've come up with a variant, added a spike protein to the Omicron variant, and it is up to 80% lethal. Why are we doing this? Probably to develop some type of... Is it uh, to develop a vaccine a or vaccine something? A vaccine or an antibody. Seems Just be careful, will you? It feels like an accident waiting to will happen. You be, I mean, I'm, uh, one person knocks over the beaker or the Petri dish, and who knows what we got going on here. Jeez, that just seems like the beginning of a movie, a situation. Uh, we were so we were so worried so much if we could do it, we forgot to think about whether we should do it. <laughs> Be careful there, will you? 756. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends. That's your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1,499.3 KLIN. But first, here's me, man, sit back. 
fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Fling Week Part 2. Nebraska has an off week. We allow you to have a hall pass for one week to pick another team. Uh, we give you the AP Top 25 teams. You get to pick one. You got to try and pick the one that scores the most points. Um, so far off the board, Tennessee... UCLA and what was the do we have a third pick in yet? Yeah, Ohio State taken by Ryan. Ohio State. Who do they who do they play this week? I'm trying to remember. They play Iowa this week. I don't know. That Iowa defense is pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying Iowa's gonna win, but that screams I mean, this is that's like a it's like a thirty five to three game, isn't it? Probably. I don't know about Iowa. Anyway, to get a pick, you need to uh send us the keyword and Caleb's made them Hard ones for me to spell this week. I do give you the spelling because you have to spell it right on the Rickstein Recognition text line for our software to recognize it. Uh, all right. What is our word this time? Fuchsia. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? This is the end. This is going to be the end. Fuchsia. Uh, this is how I think it's spelled. Don't send it in like this till Caleb confirms it. <laughs> F-U-S-C-F-U- See? Yep. Uh H? Yep. I A? S I A. Oh my god. Right, spell it. Spell it for everybody now. F U C H S I A. What a stupid Fuchsia. word. All right, so you gotta you gotta spell that right, like Caleb said. Look it up, Google it or something. <laughs> Make sure your text isn't spelled right. If you if you spell it wrong, it's not gonna count. <laughs> That's just how our software works. So Anyway, tag that in. You might get the fourth pick. You might get to pick a team for this weekend and have a new cheering interest before you go back to your committed relationship with Nebraska. All right, Jason Bolling and Chamber of Commerce joins us. Right, All right. Would you have gotten that? I, I have, have auto complete for that. So <laughs> th- right. thankfully, that's, yeah, that's I was technology saving. I am asking Brad and Fox Hollow to finish the rest of the word, not stop after the first two letters. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt. Oh, oddly enough, there's there's no shame in not spelling. That's good. That's the first one I've gotten wrong this year. It took until October 18th. Uh, how you doing, Jason? Good to I'm have great. you with us yeah. again. Hey, uh, I, I want to talk. We've been talking a ton about how there's, um, of course, three weeks from today is is the uh, midterm elections, and of course, we've been mm-hmm. talking about the big, you know, a lot of the big races, the things you've been seeing commercials for. But there's one thing on the ballot that maybe people haven't heard as much about that probably aren't going to be seeing a lot of commercials and those things about it, but nonetheless is one I know the chamber has its eye on, and so I wanted you just give me uh, a little bit on uh, amend. Amendment one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a change to the state's constitution. Tell us what this would would do if it passes. Yeah. So Amendment one would allow uh, regional airports in Nebraska to be able to use some of those revenues for rate guarantees to try to recruit new airline service to Nebraska airports. And so obviously that's a big uh, topic of conversation for folks in Lincoln. We want Especially. more flight diversity, more flight times, more flight flight frequency and choices amongst carriers here. Um, I think the Lincoln Airport Authority is using the resources that they have quite well. Um, and we can see what happens when we do have the ability to extend rate guarantees, um, like with adding the flight to Houston. That was a partnership of a federal grant, UNL, and the Chamber Foundation all pulled together a fund that that is undergirding that, that flight. Because they couldn't use the revenue. So they had to use, at least when that happened, they couldn't use these revenues that would be freed up 
by this amendment. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so, so we've been cobbling together these tools, but Nebraska is somewhat unique in that most states don't preclude air, airports from providing that kind of rate guarantee through their normal airport operations, through the, the, the revenue they're making off of uh, flights and other revenue generating operations out there. And so Amendment 1, if you vote yes on Amendment 1, and we are encouraging people to please consider voting yes on Amendment 1, um, that will that will allow those airports to provide those rate guarantees. So if you want more flight diversity from other uh, Lincoln Airport and other airports in Nebraska, this is a great thing to do. It will modernize. Well, and rate. you may not know this, but what exactly is the was the rationale from kind of tying the airport's hands on this? To, to, to do it exactly. You know, I, it's, it's an odd thing to find in, in the state constitution yeah. as well, I think, uh, rather than state law somewhere, which, which was a complicating factor. You know, I, I think people wanted to be careful about what, you know, airport revenues are going to, uh, uh airports are municipal entities, yeah. uh, largely speaking. And so, you know, having guide rails on that type of thing, uh, it, it may have made more sense in the past, but it, it doesn't keep us competitive. Right. Now. And, but- I mean, the very purpose of of having these and and uh, a municipal airport that that benefits the community is for it to be robust, right? Yeah. And so yeah. you're kind of you know tying one hand behind your back if if you can't use the revenue that you do have to actually for people to come to the airport, you got to have the flights. Yeah, you got to yeah. have the service. I mean, you can put it into everything else you want. You can put it into infrastructure. You can put it into the terminal looking nice and yeah. and all of those sorts of things. But unless you got the flights, nobody's going to go there just to hang out. Yeah. So absolutely, it's, yeah, it's an economic competitiveness issue for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And adding that Houston one is is good, but hopefully that might just be a, you know, a first step if if there's a little bit more freedom, and especially if there's some success with that one, and you've got these dollars freed up as well to do some new things. I know them get the Minneapolis one leaving. There was a lot of people that was like, oh, come on, that was yeah, that was one of that them hurt. that was really valuable. The, the the nice thing about the Houston flight, again, having those rate guarantees uh, is what allowed us to attract that flight in. But now we get to point to past precedent, and that flight is is averaging over all the flights they do in a in a week or a month or a period of time, eighty percent full. That is a successful flight. People are using that flight. That allows us to go out to the next carrier and say, "Look, you're going to have eighty percent plus, depending on where the the location is and the connections that people can pick up." You know, I've twenty years ago I flew direct from Lincoln. I drove I flew direct from Lincoln. To Vegas. They had a Vegas flight yeah, yeah. for a while in Lincoln. Yeah. Let's bring that one back. I uh, you know, I continue to be excited about what they're planning out there. They let us they let us peek under the uh, you know, behind the curtain sometimes. And uh, uh, they're working on some big things. And we've been uh, partners with them. We're going to continue to support and celebrate the work that's going on at the airport, um, both as a consumer flight. Uh, resource for our economy, but also as future industrial development and business development. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, this was th- this gets on the ballot from it wasn't a petition drive; it was the legislature voting a, and it's a constitutional amendment, so it's got to get approval from the voters. But this got, I mean, this got widespread. Even though, even though you could probably argue that Lincoln is is maybe the airport that it's going to impact the most. 
But it did get widespread support, right, from legislatures from around the state and, and different parties. Very much so. And so that was, for those keeping score at home, that was LR-283CA, um, something that the Lincoln Chamber obviously supported uh, greatly. I uh, do want to thank Senator Bostar for his work on that. I believe he was the, the, the lead senator on that. And then uh, others from the delegation, notably Senator Wishart, uh, had been on the airport yeah. authority. So we, we really had some expertise leading this conversation, but there are... Oh, boy, someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's six or seven airports uh, in Nebraska statewide uh, that would be directly impacted from that. Yeah. And across the whole state, probably that's that, going to touch everybody. Probably that Grand Island one, too. I know they've been, you know, that Grand Island one has had, to, they they got, they had the flight to Vegas later, too. So I, yeah. I just keep thinking of them. I think that uh, one, so. Carney's had flights to Vegas, too. Have they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it will, will be more, but Lincoln would be one of the, the significant beneficiaries of this whole thing if it does pass. Uh, we're at the time of year again where uh, you've got the, it's called the Lincoln Expo. I think of this as the Business to Business Expo. Yeah. Uh, but that's coming up to uh, tomorrow. And so for, you have a ton of, of local businesses there. Just tell people who aren't familiar with this kind of, kind of what it is and uh, why people might be uh, interested in checking it out. Yeah. So it's pretty much all day tomorrow, 10 to 3 um, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We've got 80 local businesses that we're working that will have booths, um, uh, giveaways, tchotchkes, uh, mm-hmm. thing, things to, to advertise their business with. Um, and then we are ending the day from 1 to 3 with uh, a part of, part of our Lincoln Craft Beer Tour that's going to feature Zipline, Cosmic Eye, White Elm, and Code Beer Company. Um, we're, there's lots of free items, including... Uh, those Lincoln T-shirts that you you will see. So come get an updated Lincoln T-shirt uh, and 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 check out our businesses that are there. It, it's a fun event every year. And I've been, you know, we've had a booth there for for years. So I spent a lot of time at this event and kind of just walked around. And and every time that you do it, you, I mean. Every time I do it, I'll learn about a a a business I didn't necessarily even know about in Lincoln. Yeah. Um, B, you know, ideas are like, oh man, I needed somebody. You know, I was looking for something like this. Mm-hmm. This is a thing and conversations, and sure, very valuable to the businesses too to make those direct connections with not only other businesses but potential customers as well. Yeah, I you know, I, I, a lot of businesses right now what they're thinking about and have been thinking about already for at least a, a month or two is gearing up for holiday season and that's something we're going to be yeah. talking about a, a whole lot more here coming up. Um I know it's so easy to just point and click and, and choose your holiday giving, but um man, it makes so much of a difference when you're supporting your your local business. They're the folks that are are funding our kids baseball teams mm-hmm. or other uh programs. They're they're giving back into the community and, and I think the expo is a good way to, to, to give a highlight to those folks, uh, whether they're in retail or in any other industry. Um, you know, we've got folks coming to us saying, how can we connect with large groups of people, either through business to business or business to consumer mm-hmm. uh, uh, type of interactions. And so it's it's a fun event and uh, just invite everybody to come out again for people that just want to attend uh, 10 to 3 tomorrow. And it's yeah. free. You get to just, just benefit in. from it. And by the way, I can tell you from having been there, uh, with the arena, the, the parking situation is incredibly easy. It's a, yeah. it's a really good vet. They've had it at smaller places pre-arena. Yep. Uh, it's a great venue for it. To, I'm, to I'm excited it to see it. The last time I was out, one of these was still in, in, in Pershing. In Pershing? <laughs> 
It's so a lot has changed. It's better. I did them in Pershing. I did them at PBA. They're better at PBA. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can definitely. Uh, I can definitely tell you that. Uh, and by the way, you might get a like. I I probably get a free yardstick. I imagine. So I, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily the county fair, or the state fair, but I bet somebody's got yardsticks there, maybe, or at least some kind of. Uh, yeah, like you said. Lots of tchotchkes there that you can get your hands I'll, on. I'll, I'll bring you guys something. Thank uh, you. Right, next That's time good. I'm in, I'll bring Koozies, you Koozies. You probably get a koozie, I'm going to guess. <laughs> Maybe a little mini Frisbee. Hey, if, you, if your keys are not attached to anything, I'm yes, sure you can keys, walk out with a keychain. Keychains. That's a good one, uh, too. And then uh, and then real quick, uh, you guys had your uh, Lincoln Young Leader Awards last uh, last month, and, uh, and uh, Mike Smith... Uh, yeah. Co-founder of of the Bay, uh, somebody I think that a lot of people are familiar with here in the city. He was uh, he was honored at the Young Professional of the Year. Yeah, so Mike Smith is the founder of the Rabble Mill and and, and the Rabble Bay, Mill too. Yeah, right. And and Bay High is now a program that they're doing in partnership with Lincoln Public Schools. So it's one of their their high school programs that they're doing. And uh, man, it, Mike is just if if you see him on on the street, I I don't think he would be what you might think of as the typical person you find floating around a chamber of commerce, right? He's, right. He's way cooler than I am. <laughs> uh, and and but boy, we have loved working with him. And you talk about some someone who's made an impact in the community. He is helping kids uh, through finding their passions begin to turn that into to money-making ventures. And the, the, the story he told that just stuck with, I think, everybody when he spoke to Face the Chamber here last month was um, there are a couple kids that are, are making over a million dollars on making TikTok videos for clients. Wow. Right. So or to, maybe not even for clients, just through their followers and right. whatever revenue streams. Clearly, I don't understand this, <laughs> this business model. Um, but they're, they're teaching kids how to do this. Mm-hmm. And their number one need, it's, it's really beautiful. These kids want to be doing this work for local businesses local organizations where it's more than just you know talking about here's what i'm doing or look at this neat trick that i learned um you know helping a business highlight what they're trying to do would be yeah. extremely extremely meaningful for and them. i'll and i'll tell you what i'll just editorialize on this too whether it's the bay or or what they've done with southeast community college or some of the focuses within lps schools uh on some specific career opportunities i mean i i think that's a really smart direction to go and provide these opportunities through high school to to have uh, you know specific trajectory whether it whether it be into trades or something like the bay is doing and yeah. um we're we're just kind of uh, we're still sort of on the front end of that but I think we're maybe ahead of the curve too where a lot of places are on that sort of thing growing up in Sydney Nebraska I can remember carrying a skateboard everywhere wearing my airwalks and yeah. trying to do bad tricks horribly <laughs> um and my mom was always worried about what I was going to hurt you know here we've got a program that one teaches people how to do that more safely but is also getting these kids to think about careers after yeah. that time in their life. Cool story for sure. Cool story. Uh, all right. Very good. Great to talk to you, Jason. And uh, we'll check in here again in a couple weeks. All right. I will return with tchotchkes. You Thank you. Jason Ball joining us. He is the head of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We'll take a break. It is 825. We've got sports coming up next from Caleb. Uh, Houston Allen K today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska volleyball, John Baylor. Fire up. Jack attack. 
It's time for John Baylor to join us. Play-by-play man for the uh, Big Ten's leading and unbeaten in conference play. Nebraska volleyball barely. I think they lost one set this month. And uh, JB joins us to talk about the state of the program right now. Good morning, John. How are you doing this morning? John, did we lose you? Jay, JB, are you there? I'm still here. Okay, sorry. You were quiet. I'm listening to you. Sorry. But I, uh, I, I, was, I was enjoying fall, and now out of nowhere, I'm like wearing Ebenezer Scrooge pajamas at night, and I don't, I don't want to take them off. And the, and, the, and the nightcap, the sleeping yeah. cap as well, I would hope. Absolutely. I don't use candles anymore, but I, <laughs> I have to carry around a flashlight. It's chilly out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I imagine you opening up the window and yelling out to all the townspeople uh, yeah. when you wake up in the morning uh, and just you know, getting their attention. Um. Hey, to, uh, to all a good, what does he yell out? Uh, uh, it's, I got it, the tiny Tim. Yeah, <laughs> I don't oh. know what he says at the end. He, he, he realizes it's Christmas and he's happy. And he's a good guy at the end. He really goes yeah. through this metamorphosis. What a jerk at the beginning. Really? But he really turns it around at the end, and that, that makes me feel good about the whole deal. It really is. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are doing a, basically a remake of that. Oh, are they? Yeah. Of the Christmas Carol? Called Spirited. Oh, okay. I didn't Thank know goodness, because we've only made that movie about nine times. <laughs> Not enough. Nobody Not enough. I wa- you know what? I watched the uh, one a couple years ago. FX did a version of it that they put on you cable. always bring up where the they're, FX. They're version. swearing in it, and I could not believe it. They're dropping, yeah. they're dropping four-letter words all through that thing. It was amazing. It's become- Hopefully British. No, right. yeah, no, it was uh, very, yeah. It was uh, it was something. I, I always liked the uh, George C. Scott version. That was one that I always kind of went back to. The old days when they'd come up with original movies. Yeah. Like, all right, hey you, put on a Panther suit. Hey you, uh, you know, get on some leotards. We're gonna make another action movie. Oh, and uh, Christmas Carol, genius, better make that. But we'll call it something different. And then we'll do it like Harry Potter. We'll do it in two separate movies. <laughs> hey, they're also, uh, Caleb, did you see they're also doing a remake of the A Christmas Story uh, with Ralphie? They're like revisiting Ralphie as an adult now after the Red Rider BB gun incident. Thank you. That's coming up, too. It's a lot to look forward to. I, I'm not going to have any time for family. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and you got a volleyball season that's going to lead you hopefully right up. Right up to the cusp of the you know the holidays too, so it's going to yeah, be busy. We got to focus on Purdue and Illinois first, but yes, things were exciting. That Penn State match, that was, wow, that was uh, yeah okay. What? Yeah. Tell me just how shocking that was, especially in that third set to dismantle and just steal the soul from Penn State in that third match or third set I should say like Nebraska did holding them to single digits which you sometimes see in uh against Rutgers or in non-conference games against overmatched opponents highly surprising shocking might be a little strong but yeah just to hold them to a zero attack percentage effectively 017 this is a, a ranked number 14 opponent I mean it, it was a big mismatch and it was primarily defense yeah, and you defense that well, you start to dream because uh, you know Texas is one of the most explosive offenses that the sport's ever seen at this level. Well, hold everything. Are they really going to be able to unleash and hit three fifty 
against a Husker team with this kind of defense. Remember last year, Texas was hitting for the season like 360. It was, well, to, to that point, one of the most explosive offenses ever. They just didn't have any defense. Well, now you replace uh, a lot of those now-departed Texas players with even better offensive players, I would say. But Nebraska's defense is so much better than it was last year. So it could be strength versus strength that these two surround the net later. Uh, uh, Becca Alex, really, I mean, she's, you know, she had some serving issues earlier in the year, but man, she's really gotten consistent on the block. I th- that's who I really noticed on, uh, on that Friday night match was the way that she was playing defensively on the block. Well, Caitlin had nine blocks and, and Whitney Launcing had eight blocks. Yeah. Becca had six blocks. They had a season high 16 blocks. That's fun. That's just vintage Husker volleyball. Yeah. Just block them, frustrate the heck out of them. And they try to act nice. You know how they come together after every point and they pat each other on the yeah. back? After a while, they're just like, you know, this isn't working. Oh, even the back padding's not working. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I just thought the block, and I thought against Northwestern, too, the block has just looked, it looked more solid than it has all year. And of course, the, you know, kind of the back row defense has been very solid, anchored by Lexi Rodriguez for the entire year. But that, that feels like it brings, not that they weren't blocking before, but it's, it's taken up to another level and it just it makes that defense more dynamic i think it's vastly improved but lexi's genius is that you rarely notice her yeah you, you just i mean i'm not even sure the coaches have to coach her it's just she's just there you know you, she's going to be digging them up and when she makes an error is unable to dig a, a cross-court shot to towards the left back where, where she is it's just shocking you know you're just like oh my gosh i can't believe she didn't get that one she's she's really something the fact that uh like a good official, like you just don't even notice her. But she's not just watching the game; she's in the middle of the game, touching the ball almost every time Nebraska has it. Yeah, she's. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you when you do notice her though is when mm-hmm. she's about to go headlong into that little scoreboard thing that they've got there uh, on the floor, which I'm always worried she's going to have a major collision with that thing at some point. But she usually kind of knows how to do the roll and avoid it. But what? I'm telling you, the, now I'm con- Let's get that thing moved. Yeah, I'm, you know what I mean. The ones where they put the ads on there, the, the they get the ads on oh, during the game. He's yeah. she's right, flying so into that thing sometimes. It's tough for me to focus on the game because I'm like, oh dang, I got to get my oil change, and I have to write down the number. <laughs> write down, the, going on write down the number. <laughs> yeah. Oh, heck, the engine light. I forgot. Yep, good point. Just oh, use wow. the QR code. I'm sure there's a QR code somewhere, and just yep. snap it with your phone. You and it keeps that. moving, and they don't wait to the point to be over. <laughs> it's like, the, boom, here comes the next. But, but these are fine sponsors of Husker Athletics, so yeah. I'm I'm a patron. Hey, how about uh, how about uh, you know another another weekend where Allie Batenhorst too had a had a, a solid weekend too, and you know parts of the season we didn't see a lot of her, but just kind of highlighting the depth of that hitter position. Allie's back. She's like sponsoring a bank. Yeah. And then also just hammering away. I mean, she she's just such a great teammate. She's had some tough luck, but she hangs in there and she saves the best for last. She's not a big fan of the first two, three months of the season. She just waits for December and then she just unleashes. I mean, she was Texas's worst enemy in the regional final, mm-hmm. 15 kills. And Jeez. you can just kind of see her getting better and better. And she's probably getting healthier and healthier. And she, you can't teach 6'5. She's yeah. a six outside hitter. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's crazy, by the way. Fifteen kills against Texas last year. I had forgotten that. And, you know, she's oh. been she's been just kind of uh, you know, because of injury largely, but uh, been kind of a, a marginal part of a lot of the season so far. And you're you know, you're adding that into into this rotation that you've got. It's uh it's a significant addition for somebody who was playing at the highest level last year at the end of the year. 
he and Lindsey Krause were the key two offensive players in that huge effort. I still say that Texas regional final is arguably the greatest win in the history of the program. It's in the conversation, and I think there are only three other matches. And right there, Allie Baytonors against her home state team. Yeah. No way. Yeah, without a doubt. Can I, I need to make an admission, JB, uh, and, and I, I shouldn't, I mean, I really shouldn't say this because like every other sports team that I pull for, uh, I would, I'm desperate for some success for uh, being a Husker basketball, Husker football, Kansas, yeah. Kansas City Royals fan. Like I'm not, like I'm not swimming in wins, but I'm going to tell no. you what, JB, I need, I need a closer match at some point. I, I I need to get a little bit hooked more emotionally into one of these games. I was trying to listen and watch on Sunday, and I was like, okay, I know what's I know what's going to happen in this thing. It's over. Did you want me to call coach and ask him to dial it down just a little bit? I I would appreciate it. A little drama. I'm here for some. This is recreation. This is supposed to be entertainment for me. Yeah. My my blood pressure ought to at least go up at some point during the match. Well, say hello to Purdue. Good. They will be at home, and they've got a raucous crowd, and they can be competitive. We've struggled in the old Holloway gym in the past. But the best matches are at the end. Have you seen the end of our season schedule? I have. Four, four of the last five matches. Four of the last five. Ohio State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So it's kind of back-ended. So we're trying to pace you. So we have stay, stay, stay engaged, though. I mean, Jack, and also – We've learned, you know, never take for granted greatness. Never take for granted. I know. I tried to remind myself, but here I am Sunday afternoon, and I'm trying to get into this match, and I'm like, this is like a movie I've already seen. It's hard to even be engaged by it All at right, this you point. You then need to go back to the Doc Sadler men's basketball. <laughs> That's what you want. If you want to see the other side of this coin, just watch some old video. His five, six years here. <laughs> Listen, I got a yeah, I got a basketball season on Sunday. I, who knows? I mean, I'll have more drama in the Nebraska Shadron uh, preseason game that's coming up on Sunday here than than anything I'm seeing on the volleyball court right now. And here you are selling me Purdue. You are selling me as per usual. Purdue. You're selling me Purdue. I am looking at Purdue's last four matches right now. Uh, JB, I got a sweep against Maryland. They lost. I got 3-2. They had to go to 5 against Indiana. Got beat by Wisconsin 3-1. And then Iowa took them to 5 in West Lafayette. And you're going to try and tell me this is this is the time that the challenge finally happens? Do not be confused. This is an amazing engineering program. All right. They pump out the engineers. And have you seen how many more engineers China creates than our country creates? And a lot of our engineers are not even from this country. Bottom line is we want Purdue to be good in every respect. And they're going through a bit of a patch here where they're not quite their old selves. Bottom line is this team was preseason picked to be eight. They lost their four best players on last year's team. They are not supposed to be that competitive this year. And they've had some decent, decent wins. They've beaten number eight Minnesota in three and they have swept Illinois in five. They haven't had the toughest schedule, and of late it got a little tougher, and they've lost against Wisconsin and then the upset at the hands of Maryland. But we know Maryland can block, and if you can block, you got a shot. And Maryland went crazy blocking uh, Purdue. So Purdue's a little bit down right now from where they were earlier in the season. They've kind of come down to earth, but 
I'm telling you, that home gym is raucous. Yeah, well, I guess. It, I don't know how raucous it was when uh, when Maryland swept him, though. I mean, my goodness. And, and I'll just ask to help you out. I'm just going to ask Coach to play all the backups. Yeah, well, I mean, Iowa got Iowa got two sets in that raucous gym. Come on. You you, you like you like losing. No, I don't like losing. I like winning. I, I at least like some sort of. I need a little. I need a little thrill of the thrill of the chase here. It's just I thought you were upset about that Georgia Southern game. No, <laughs> this, that's kind of the way you roll. It's, it's, it's just like this pain, this masochism. What I, if Matt Millen was on the television broadcast? <laughs> Matt Millen. They bring in Matt Millen to talk about how great Aiden O'Connell was during the entire <laughs> broadcast. That'd get my blood pressure up <laughs> once Matt again. Look, man, every NFL team should take a wide receiver in the first round. I did. (laughs) Yeah, can you imagine if you had an opportunity to pick Trey Palmer uh, at this point after after that was all over? I'm going to start the chant right now. Please stay, Trey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll lead I mean, it. We'll lead it uh, at the Memorial St- Memorial Stadium here in a major, couple weeks. I don't know if I don't know if Casey's leaving either. I'm I'm I could see Trey leaving more than Casey, but we got to get the professors to get to know them. Tell them when the office hours are. There get them go. to love their classes. I but Casey, I think might stay. Yeah. But uh, Trey I'm a little more iffy. But oh. he's having a great time. Hey. I'm just telling you, if it's set to JB, when Nebraska already won the first and it's like 21 15 in the second, you're going to yep. start to. You, I'm going to need something on the radio broadcast to keep me engaged. So, right, I'm dip into some of my quips, little metaphors, something. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I think what might get you excited is a little, little, little a foray into maybe recent Central American policy. I'll just Thank you. Just What's that in between points? Wonder what's going on in Nicaragua today. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. That'd be good. A week from Wisconsin. A week from Wisconsin. Now that one I don't have to worry about. Okay, even though I may turn the page to that match, skip right over Illinois. We got Wisconsin a week from today. This next tomorrow. patch is rugged. Yeah, three road more more road matches than the Nebraska Nomads back on the road. And you got ranked Purdue number twelve. You got unranked Illinois, which has had one of the toughest schedules in the country. And they're five hundred, both in the conference and for the season. And then you got Wisconsin. And I think the upper echelon is separating itself. It's really Wisconsin and uh, Nebraska and Ohio State in yeah. the Big Ten. And I think the uh, Purdue is kind of taking a step back now, and Minnesota's taking a half step uh, back. And Penn State's taking a full step back. So it's not the pack of six, most of which were inhabiting the top ten. You've got the top three and kind of three B. Now, three the, the, the second tier can beat the top tier, but as far as the race for the, the title in the conference this year and pretty much an automatic bit hosting site mm-hmm. for all two weekends of the uh, tournament, it's going to be Ohio State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. And, and it's Close. It's very close. And three matches where Nebraska, two against Wisconsin, one against Ohio State remaining in the uh, in the season, which will probably be kind of conference-defining matches here starting yes. with starting with the one a week from Wednesday. Hey, by the way, uh, I don't know. Nicklin Hames looks like she still has it as a setter, JB, even after the injury, even after supposedly yeah. changing positions. She connects really well with Whitney Lonstein, and that's the big difference. I mean, Whitney Lonstein is, was kind of an average attacker there while uh, – Nicklin was gone for a month, and boom, Nicklin comes back, and Whitney's not quite to her heights of Creighton, but she's showing like that kind of electricity and that kind of power that we haven't seen. It's just 
even when she gets an okay set, if she's not sure she's going to get one, it's tough to get relaxed. It's tough to, tough to play loose. But with Nicklin, I think she's just able to trust the ball's going to be where she wants it and play loose. And we got to have Whitney Lonstein. You want to beat Texas, you got to have Lonstein probably playing all the way around. Yeah. I don't know if you can pull her out for three rotations yeah. or three. Two and a half. I don't. If you're, if you're cooked, do you start to get worried that you got you know you got Kennedy or you still believe in her in the future? But but you know you're putting Hames back in there and 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 Orr's not getting a lot of time again. That she's going to get frustrated with the situation and start looking for greener pastures. I mean, who knows? It's the it's the era of the portal. She's a fabulous kid. Nebraska recruited her starting seven years ago, and always believed in her. Is doing everything possible to get her to her her former. Um, the skill, and then she's having great practices now and then. So this is by no means a done deal that it's going to be Nicklin and Ani, and it's going to be a two-setter offense. Physically, I mean, Kenny Kennedy is clearly the best athlete of the three. Yeah. The question is, who gives you the best chance to win? And that's an ongoing assessment. Happens. Every it's day. so hard not to see Nicklin out there and being like, "Yeah, there's an X factor there. Just, I mean, an experience factor. Or a t- there's just, I don't know. I, it's just like a security blanket for me." Uh, well, what's when she's Kennedy in the match. won a high school state championship in Minnesota, starting as a seventh grader on a high school, and Nicklin won a high school state championship in Tennessee, yep. starting setter as an eighth grader. Yep. Yep. I mean, I was collecting baseball cards at that age. These guys, they're going out to win state championships yeah. for the high school. All right. Their trophy case is already uh, completely full here at uh, this point. Hey. Parents are building additions for La- more shelf. Last unrelated question. People are freaking out because the ACT scores are down in the uh, in the state of Nebraska, JB. What's Thanks going on? What's going on? Op-ed on that. Look, um, the disruptions in school didn't help. But to me, what's not being discussed here is the fact that there is very mixed messaging going on across this state and country about the relevance of this test. And when you send mixed messages about something, students are going to respond. If we clearly go back to where we were in 2019 and we made it clear to all that, you know, this score really matters. It has relevance. Students will respond. But in an atmosphere of ambiguity, students will respond. So I have seen teachers will tell you less effort in general. And this test is not easy. And so they're going to opt on the side of not giving it their best effort in general. And that's what you're seeing reflected here. If we clearly state, you know what, this thing really matters again. You know what, getting a 32 is a big deal. It's better than a 22, which is better than a 16. And it's going to affect the feasibility and affordability and likelihood of fabulous post-high school destinations. Then you know what, the kids are going to respond. You're going to see those scores go up. But right now, I mean, it's just not clear. Mm-hmm. You know, to what extent UNK cares, to what mm-hmm. extent UNL cares about yeah. this score. And so that's true. Parents and kids are like, well, then it must not be that big a deal. Just go in there and just, just give it a shot. See what happens. I'll t- I mean, I'll tell you what, have, going through the pro- with a high school senior going through some of this process with some schools. We've had mixed messaging from the schools yeah. in terms of how important it is. Very mixed. We speak clearly to this state that, you know what, here in Nebraska, we care about grammar. We care about math. We care about reading because, you know what, society cares about it. We're going to hold you accountable for it. Society's going to hold you accountable for it eventually in the working world and elsewhere. So we're going to hold you accountable for it. We think it's relevant. The kids are going to respond. I want to make some T-shirts that say, Me Care About Grammar. That'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say go with Hammer the Grammar for now. Okay, listen, you do your own slogans. That's fine. It's solid. I'm telling you, this this test, ask a physics professor 
whether it matters yeah. uh, if a kid has a, a 28 or 30 or 32 or a 22. There's a reason that if you want to be an engineering major, you're going to need to get a 24. Yeah. Because uh, these schools have, have relevance. All right, big shoes for you, JB. I need to be entertained if the match isn't close Wednesday night, so I'll be looking forward to you helping me out with that. Have a good one. I'll fire, I'll fire you up, come up with something. On this. This is, if, if it gets lopsided, I'll just, I'll just say this is for Jack. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll be listening. There you go. Voice of the Big Red Volleyball, John at Baylor. Talk to you later, John. Have a good one. Uh, all right, 856. We will take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and Friends. Wrap it up for this on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email.